Hello and welcome to the Winning a Business podcast. If you're an existing listener, you may have noticed we've taken a break for a few months and you might be expecting series five of Hitting the Wall podcast. We took some time out to focus on the business and it became clear that it was time to refresh things on the podcast with more focus on what winning looks like. Still inspired by my best-selling book, Hitting the Wall, we're going to talk all things winning and what's involved to win at business. In my time as a professional tennis coach, I never once coached a racket or a ball. It was always the player. Business is no different. It's a game, one you can win or lose. Our episodes will focus on what's involved in playing the game of business effectively, and most importantly, how to win. Each episode will be a conversation with me, alongside my co-host and producer, Shirley Heron, an experienced owner and coach herself. From buying psychology to overcoming internal barriers to marketing and building your team, we'll aim to cover all aspects of what's involved to play the game to the best of your ability. So sit back and listen to these short, sharp, punchy episodes. And please let us know what you think and what topics you'd like us to cover. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Winning at Business podcast with me on his own today, Ash Taylor. Um, unfortunately, Sharon can't join us because uh, she's a little bit ill, a little bit poorly and recovering after an operation. So uh, I'm in the studio for the next couple of weeks on my own, um, putting together these podcasts. So I thought what I would do is, um, obviously, we normally talk about uh, questions and topics that have come up and discuss uh, those things between us. And uh, I've still been keeping an eye out, listening to my clients around what uh, stuff that they're, they're dealing with. And this week, what I'd like to tackle is the, uh, the, the, the challenge of rejection. Now, I get asked about this a lot, and it's something I actually end up dealing with in conversations with clients all the time. And, it, and in fact, it's something that I was out and out asked via WhatsApp by a client last week, and that was um, he had put a few proposals out to prospects He'd had a couple of very positive responses and one out and out, no. And he said to me on this message, I know I should be focused on the, the positives of getting the, you know, the two clients, getting the two pieces of work, but I can't get past the one that rejected me, the one that said no. Now, the trouble is with rejection is it does manifest itself in, in many different ways. Um, uh, uh, for example, that people can get what I call, um, and I'm sure other people do as well, perfectionitis. And, and what people will do is that they will work on getting their product or service ready and ready and more ready. And they'll do everything they can to focus on the getting ready of that product so that nobody sees it. And if nobody sees it, then there's no chance of rejection at all. So that's the first way it can be, it can manifest itself. The other way that it can manifest itself is um, just not selling the product. They'll do what uh, a great phrase that Daniel Priestley came up with, which is ABS, which is anything but sales, anything but sales to avoid being in the position of being rejected. Now, the trouble is, is that society, the society we live in, kind of entwines 
rejection with failure. And it puts the two things often in the same boat. So, for example, if you don't get a job that you go for, you might failed to be considered or you were rejected for the role. The two are, it's a, it's a very common entanglement, you know, rejected for the role, failed to be considered. You know, the, the two will uh, get used interchangeably all the time. Interchangeably, have I just made up a new word? Who knows? Anyway, um, and, and the thing is, I, you know, I did a little bit of research on this before the, the, the pod today, and uh, there are some studies out there that show that rejection... The feelings of rejection use the same neural pathways that stimulate physical pain. So, you know, when, when, we, have, when we have pain uh, because somebody's hit us or punched us or we've been scratched or, or, or whatever, um, we, we uh, send signals along the same pathways that um, we deal with rejection with as well. And, and that's, that's got to be quite weird. So when somebody rejects you, you physically respond in the same way as if you've been bitten or punched or scratched. So there's, there's quite an interesting piece there, I think. And all this together kind of combines to uh, lead us to believe that we lack something. And, and we, we really start obsessing over, over re rejection because it reinforces an opinion we might already have about ourselves in that we're not good enough. And if there's anything that our egos love, it's an opportunity to constantly think about itself. Now, rejection is never about someone being better. This is the, this, this is the thing about us not being good enough. Rejection isn't about uh, always about someone else being better. It's always about us not being good enough. So we never say, oh, someone else was better. We always say, I lost, for example. And the trouble with obsessing over rejection is it starts to become very, very personal. So we avoid it. And avoiding rejection is just, and this can sound a little bit weird perhaps, but it means that we're pre-rejecting ourselves to avoid rejection in the first place. So rather than having to deal with rejection, what we'll do is we'll we'll put ourselves in a situation where we will do anything to avoid being rejected. But it, by doing that, we're uh, self-selecting ourselves out of the opportunity for any kind of rejection at all. The other thing is that we think that rejection happens to us. So we become the victim of the story, if you like. The trouble is, is that life is very indifferent about you as ego battering as that is. And, and life isn't just out to get us. It's just not true. Things don't happen to us. We Things happen and, and, and we just get in the way. But rejection is a very personal thing. We always take it as um, something that's happened to us. We have been rejected. And the worst thing about taking rejection personally means that we, we stop trying at all. It becomes quite a permanent thing. Um, if we stop putting our, ourselves in positions where we could be rejected, we stay small and we stay in, stay in our comfort zones, if you like, without taking any opportunities to grow. And, and when, when you recognise that rejection has got very, very little to do with you, um, how, however hard that is to take because our egos don't like it, um, the thing to do is to not take it personally. 
And I found it helpful helpful to think about a few things, three things, um, with dealing with rejection. Um, the first is to look at rejection as a way of, uh, I don't know, how, how would I put this? Or c- communication compatibility, I guess. You're getting information about a situation when you're rejected. And what you do with that information is a choice. You can uh, see it as information or you can see it as something that's happening to you. And usually it's not. It's just not the right set of circumstances. So let's take an example. Let's say you don't win a proposal, uh, as I talked about right at the beginning of this today. And the propo- you could take it as the proposal doesn't match the set of criteria that the pro- prospect has set, okay, the criteria set by the prospect. You're not being rejected, but their set of criteria isn't compatible with yours. And that's a very different view on it. Rather than feeling like you've been rejected, it's just a question of they have criteria, you've put a proposal together that you hope matches that criteria based on the information that they've given you, but they don't align. Now, this has got nothing to do with you. It's just a lack of alignment. And we, we love to be the hero in our own stories. And the world revolves around us. And we see everything through that lens or that filter, if you like, that, that you know, that we're at the center of everything. And when rejection happens, it's really easy to assume that people, person rejecting, they don't like us. But actually, we have got no idea at all what they're thinking. We don't know what other people are thinking, but we like to assume that they do. The only person that you can be completely confident you know how they are thinking is yourself. And you can assume that people uh, think like you do, but they don't. And, it, and, and it's the, the, the way they think is the only way they know how to think. And because of that, we don't then see all the other influences that might make up the decision they've made such as internal politics or, say, a recruitment drive that comes to fruition as you've put that proposal in. And the third thing is that rejection is only really relevant to a very small proportion of our identity, and that's the piece related to the rejection. So our ego likes us to assume that all of it is being rejected. But if we use the scenario that we're covering here, it was the proposal that was rejected and our ability to meet the criteria of that proposal that was rejected, not all of us. The idea, the quote, the proposal was measured and was found wanting, yes, because it didn't meet the criteria. But that has got nothing to do with your whole worth as a human being, as a person. So what can we do about it? What can we do about dealing with rejection and putting ourselves in a place where perhaps we can benefit from rejection? Now, the first thing is to see rejection as an opportunity to learn. And, and that might take some time, might take a while. But what is it that you can do next time to improve the chances of compatibility? You can treat rejection as just information or data, as we talked about earlier, and use take that opportunity, look at the data and use it by adjusting it for future improvement. But keep in mind that 
that rejection was a single point or a single situation with a single set of circumstances and not the whole world rejecting you. Because it would be very easy to take data and apply it and assume that the next time we're doing a proposal, if we tweak things, everything will be okay. We have to remember, though, that that rejection was that proposal not meeting that set of criteria for that particular client. The data that you get can be useful, um, but the next proposal you put put in is going to be as unique as the previous one. So the data can be helpful, but don't use it as a a blanket um, solution. Um, It's also helpful to see rejection as a sign of growth. Uh, This might sound a little bit weird, but if you're not putting yourself out there, if you're not getting rejected, you're avoiding change. And if you're avoiding change, you're staying stagnant, you're staying small, you're not growing. Growth is good. Growth is healthy. And in many ways, rejection is a a measure of progress. Um, It could be perhaps one of the numbers that you put on your weekly scorecard. You know, how many times have we or... How many proposals have we had that have been rejected this week? Um, Every single no is part of the pattern that you need to get enough yeses. So every rejection gives you a chance to reflect, learn, improve, practice how you deal with it until it just becomes another process. And not going through rejection means you don't develop those skills And I think not developing those skills, not improving your ability to deal with rejection by putting yourself in a position where you will be rejected weakens your aptitude for success. Um, I always remember as as a young tennis player that, and I tell this story a lot in my book, that I, I spent a lot of time losing as a tennis player. But every time I lost, um, I learned from it and I I gathered data and I worked on uh, my weaknesses and I developed my strengths. Without losing, I never would have had the opportunity to understand what those strengths and weaknesses were and what I needed to improve. And losing, which kind of is what rejection is, uh, or you can see it like that, strengthened me and gave me a, a, a sense of uh, an idea of resilience, I suppose, so that when I'm rejected now, because I've um, been rejected so many times in the past through through losing, um, I, I'm pretty comfortable just saying, okay, next opportunity. So I, I guess to sum up this today uh, in terms of rejection, there there are a number of ways of seeing it that you are being rejected it's that you're not good enough people don't like you or you can take it as an opportunity to see that it's whatever piece of work or um opportunity that you've got the uh the proposal the the idea that you've put forward hasn't matched a set of criteria That's got nothing to do with you as a whole person, just that part of you on that day, in that situation. And perhaps to ask yourself, what can I learn from it? What information can I take from it? So that next time I'm better armed, I'm better able, I'm more confident, more competent 
to be able to move forwards towards the success that we all want. So I hope that's been useful today. Perhaps a slightly shorter episode than normal, but without the interaction with Shirley and her asking me all of those awkward questions, it is um, uh, a little harder to talk to yourself in a big room all on your own. Um, I hope that's been useful. As always, very happy to hear um, from you and, and get your comments on what these episodes are giving you and what you're taking from them. Until next week, take care. You've been listening to Winning at Business. We really hoped you enjoyed this episode. And as always, if you have topics you'd like us to cover, get in touch and we'll do our best to make it happen. Don't forget, you can also get your copy of Hitting the Wall, the book that inspired this podcast from Amazon and other retailers. Bye for now until the next episode.